you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Muted. Good morning. I'm not sure if I had this same background last time. I apologize if I did. I haven't been mucking around enough. I don't know. I don't tend to make sure that I wear an outfit that someone hasn't seen before like my wife and maybe other ladies really are about that. And I'm don't care enough about right. it. To think about it each time. <laughs> yeah. I don't get a background because my hook broke for putting my green screen up. So you, wow. you have my other one, but yeah. I, I Do you ever read the odd Thomas series by Koontz? Oh yeah. They're really good. Exactly. Uh, he, he talks about that. He, he has jeans and t-shirts and tennis shoes. And that, you know, <laughs> and I used to always say, just have a, couple pair of jeans because any shirt you wear will go with it in college i was very much like that i i had my a couple pairs of jeans so that i'd be able to wear one while i was washing the other i had three or four actually but yes everything goes with everything and, and, and i don't know remember in the fly seth brundle had the thing where he just got all the black pants and all the white shirts and he doesn't have to put an, an ounce of thought into right. what he wears each day so i'm not quite like that i have many pairs of lounge pants and now I have so many like long sleeve t-shirts that I can almost always find a color to match into some color in the pants. And so Colleen is uh, very complimentary about how my gur animals sense has gotten better and better <laughs> as I'm finding things to match. But it just, I don't know, it's one of those things that it's an amusement to me, but that's what I wanted to take is two seconds in the morning. Right. Spend no time. Man, have I ever had an outfit on and then said, oh, this isn't quite right, and changed into something else. Well, there's just a very fine line between that and monk. And maybe if, I'm trying to think. I have things that I, that I like how I look in them. So if I'm going to, to be in something where it really might matter that I make a good first impression, then I wear my favorite shirt that not yeah. only looks good on me, but that I feel good in. And then right, right. that little bit of, I'm not, I'm not worried about, hey, this suit is tight. When I was on Jeopardy, I hated being in a suit. You know I mean, I'm really not a suit person anymore. When I first started working at Arthur Anderson and Pete Marwick, where you're a consultant and they're spending big money for you and you have to look the part, just like any lawyer or professional. And yet, my man, when I would come home, I would throw the suit off with me. Like, like man, I, and I, I, and maybe also because I'm a big guy and things don't fit me naturally. You know, and if I was a nice, like, five foot nine standard issue human being then i'd go to the the suit store and find a whole array of things that would fit me perfectly with very little alteration that was never the case i'm built like a a wrestler and a football player and so i got like a 50 inch chest 54 actually and i actually back then had like i don't know a 34 38 inch waist I've, i've never kept track of that either to get that wedge shape in a suit then you got to worry about whatever they have to right. do to stop the puckering and Thanks for just, just subtly letting me know I'm substandard because I'm not five nine. There's that. Good good Tuesday morning to me there. You know that that was, of course, not about if you're it. 
your wife's shorter than me so i'll let her beat up on you (laughs) and it's really to expand on that colleen and i talk about all the time about how we are rous princess bride has the rodents of unusual size and whenever we have been like we we went to a car show one time and it wasn't that we were just looking at cars and seeing how pretty they were we trying them on in order to get a car that fits both me with my long legs and head bumping against this and where does my leg fit against the firewall and her scooching the seat all the way forward so that she can hold the steering wheel, reach all the side. It just was an amusing thing to see the two of us <laughs> on our, she looked for a long time to find the appropriate bride and groom for a wedding cake so that it wouldn't look like they were the same, but there was actually like, here's the big biker and here's the, his sweet mall that he's got right. here because it, he wanted it to represent us. So let me ask <laughs> you, you texted a few things uh, and I'm intrigued. You're having the same HDMI problem with your Roku that I had. All the usual themes are here. You and I both love kind of diving into the troubleshooting and the figuring things out. Right. And the more that they've made things plug and play, they've also made it that they're very opaque. And so instead of being able to go into the config, the, the preferences dialogues and stuff like that, it just stops working. And then when you try to figure out why that's not happening, there's, there's nowhere to get the the way in. So what I've discovered is that <clears throat> didn't even know about this. There's a thing called HDCP, high definition copy protection, that has been uh, put out by Intel and promulgated into all different kinds of devices over the last like 20 to 30 years. But it didn't get the big stink that we had with DR- DRM, digital right. rights, rights management, management. Yeah. exactly that. And, and there were big disasters about that. Sony had a whole thing where they were installing kind of spyware to make sure that you weren't copying things off of their CDs or DVDs, but then they started to interfere with other operations. And so this has been in the background. And I knew that there were things in VCRs and DVD players and stuff like that for a long time about region. But there's seven regions in the world, and they make a point of if you have a European version of something, it won't play in a United States player. And I couldn't even tell you what those seven regions are, but I imagine they're like the continents, South America, et cetera. This thing doesn't work because of that. And what's funny, as I've done a little bit more investigation, is it isn't even a single standard. It's, of course, that nowadays things are a combination of hardware and software and chipset within the devices. And so my only eight years old, I think, Samsung Smart TV only supports HDCP up to version 1.4. And now everything is at 2.2 or 2.3. And so after working, it suddenly just says, hey, the combination of your Roku box and your cable, because the cable has some smarts built into it who the fuck knew that and your your tv and maybe the signal actually coming into your house via your switch router etc somehow that doesn't cooperate and it really matters all that because it's not just the exact things that you have hooked up it's anything it does a little check across all the network all the things you've got hooked up and if any part of that isn't right it throws up its hands and says hey we think someone's trying to copy something illegally get content from a, a, a bad source and it just stops working. What's funny is it doesn't stop working permanently. The way you solve that is you unplug all the HDMI cables and unplug all the power cables and give it that usual like 10 second reset. And you plug them back in and you have to plug in your HDMI first and then your power because otherwise the minute you put power in without having turned the device on yet, it's already doing its hand shaking, whatever it does with the sensing protocol for the ports. And then it starts to work again. But then something makes it stop working and you get the HDCP errors up on the screen. 
So <laughs> here I was, was like, well, I was all happy with my new Roku box because <laughs> it's state-of-the-art coolness. And my TV supported enough, I thought just a matter of like resolution and sound, that it all was compatible. Well, no, this HDCP thing. So made, and like I said, I, I don't mean to, you said you were experiencing similar well, things. Yeah, it um, was exactly that. And I didn't know a lot, like you said, what all is the copy protection stuff? Everything just worked. That's what it should be. Because like you said, we like to tinker with this, but there are times when you're like, oh God, I don't want to mess with this right now, you know? Exactly. I was sitting down to watch this and now I've got this here and now I've got, and especially, it's not just a matter of, well, try turning it off and turning right. it back on again. I actually have to reach behind a TV that is set up just like I want it to get to the cables. So I got to angle it. Then am I really going to get it back to just, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. And, and of course, well, Colleen is like, hey, we were looking forward to watching Castle. I don't want five minutes of troubleshooting, right. especially when you're not sure it's going to work. Because you then know? you get oh. frustrated and aggravated. It changes the mood. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you, it was like working and then it wasn't. It would give the error on the screen and I couldn't fit. And it was the exact thing. I think my parents, for their Roku, the TV was a little old. For mine, the cable, and this was a cable I'd used on this Roku for a year. And then suddenly it's giving me this error. We had to go get a brand new cable. And now it works. And everything right. else was the same. The yeah. new Roku we got, the uh, soundbar one, right. has the ARC, which I forget what that acronym stands for. Right. Uh, and we, I was trying to get it worked up, but it kept flashing. Like every five to 15 seconds, we get a, a flash. And playing with it playing with it so i fixed it i had to get a 25 dollar cable i'm like damn it i'm gonna make it work or else and it worked fine you had to set the settings in the roku right set the settings on the tv plug it in the right spot and, you get, and it worked fine no problem the stupid thing was i could plug it into the non-arc port hdmi port on the tv and it wouldn't give that problem so i'm like that kind of bypasses it right there folks <laughs> exactly and and like, honestly so there we are. I've got my TV has a HDMI port on the back and then a string of two USBs and two HDMIs on the side. And it doesn't, as I did the research, I found out that, hey, HDMI, all interchangeable, just like USB should be all interchangeable. No, nowadays they got ones that are, it's USB 3, so it runs as the fastest, but then it degrades and some ports don't even handle it. They'll still work, but you'll get less speed or less capability than you thought. And so just what you said, there is an HDMI port that is best for ultra hd 4k type stuff but it's not hey ultra k you know a 4 4k ultra hd it's just like port number one they make it so that port number one is the most capable but you don't know that and then the acr one is the one where it actually carries sound better sound so you can attach your surround sound type speakers your sound bar that kind of stuff and it actually does carry sound signal which i thought was always an hdmi and and like i said they're not they can be labeled is it ARC or ACR, but even if they're labeled, when it first looked at it, it was like, I don't know, but it works. And so I don't need to worry about it. Then I started to do all the different swapping of cables. And unfortunately, though it's plug and play, now that you've swapped, especially one for the other, for a while, the system gets confused because that's not where you were a moment ago. And so it has within the Roku box things that we had in our search that we had, like, how did we find Castle in America's test kitchen and whatever else? We had searched for it, and then just instead of going back to whatever particular service it was part of, just go back to the search, and it's right there in the list. No, that list isn't current. You go back to try to watch Castle, and it doesn't bring anything up because it's lost whatever little 
background ID unique identifier doesn't get stored if it's in the wrong port. What are you talking about? How can right. the port be part of that? Well, because there's copy protection involved in when it first. So it has been honestly a week of figuring each of these little things out. And what I posted online was one of the, I, there's all kinds of tech geek sites, even geekier than us, believe it or not, that love working this thing out and figure out how to make it so that the world works. One of them was said that you can get uh, an HDMI splitter. Well, sometimes you want to have uh, uh, HDMI go to two different monitors and choose which one you want to go to, either right. by software, or actually by a physical, like a switch that you push a button, which again seems like really in this era of ESP type level plug and play, I have to say, no, go left or go. It just seems weird. But having said that, I, I ordered that splitter before I figured out, let's play with the ports a little bit and stuff like that. Apparently, the splitter has enough smarts in it that when you plug it into the HDCP device, it does the handshake without having to worry about passing it through to your TV or to your Roku. And so it, it's like a middleman that says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. But what it really does is defeats that copy protection. And I shouldn't <laughs> use that term. It makes it unnecessary because I'm not trying to cheat anybody. So we'll see if I really need that. That's on the way. Right now, like I said, I swap cables and it seems to be working. And before it was happening like every other day, and now it's been probably two days since it hasn't happened. So maybe going to the HDMI one port and other things. But having said that, this is interesting. I don't know whether my Samsung smart TV can be updated in terms of HDCP as to whether it is a chipset thing and limited by hardware or whether you can actually update the OS on your TV because your TV is now a computer. It's not just a, a thing. In order to do that, I need to have it Ethernet cable or a USB I, port. I, you can't do it over Wi-Fi because it doesn't like that. It's not fast enough, whatever. Where did I move my Ethernet cable into the Roku box so that it does all the talking to the net and then goes into the TV? So I just ordered an Ethernet switch. And, and it's funny, I have one downstairs where Colleen's work setup is such that we wanted to make sure that both her desktop and her laptop and her printer and everything could talk Ethernet-wise so that even though we have HP has uh, and Apple have AirPlay where you should be able to print right? because she has to use a um, VPN to get into work and make sure that all of those things are very uh, safe and controlled. The VPN wreaks havoc with whatever the ease of printing is. So sometimes you can cable and sometimes you can go air, but it always seems to be that it requires like a restart or that some things work and some yeah. things don't. Adobe does, but Microsoft products don't or whatever. <laughs> so we need that to have hardware. And then it's weird to have a cable running through your living room to get to your laptop where you sit on the sofa. But that really was the easiest way for Colleen not to hear these little cries of pain from downstairs where she needs to print something out because she's getting ready to head out the door. And just then is when the printing capability craps out because of whatever weirdness it isn't compatible about. Right. Having said that solution has worked down there. So I really did say, find me that Ethernet switch. And a switch, not a splitter, because you want it to do it automatically instead of you having to choose. Right. I reordered that guy. Well, actually, I ordered now there's a newer version of that. That's, I guess, it's the same speed. We have 100, we have gig Ethernet into the house and in here. So I got the newest version of that. And that's what I'm going to be putting on the back of the TV so that I can have Ethernet go both to the TV and to the Roku box. And the reason for all that is so that I can try to update the TV's OS and make sure that if there is an update that allows it to have HDCP 2.2 or above, then maybe all of this can be pulled back. 
And so the, the, the fun solution would have been just move the cable back first to see whether that'll fix it. But <laughs> this is revealed after the five layers of other things that weren't working. So it could be that I'm not going to need any of these extra switches and splitters and stuff that all I had to do was update the OS on my TV. But that wasn't at all obvious from what was going on. I thought it was the Roku box. And it's new. When something is the new thing to a system, you look at, well, what changed? That guy. Center on that guy to figure out how to troubleshoot him. Oh, here's, I went through the same thing, plugging this in. I've done network setups. My first big IT job was using Windows 3.1 and hooking up an AB splitter between two computers to a LaserJet 6, the, all, right. the, the LaserJet 6s. And my, my boss, who had been struggling with it for four and a half hours, and I was done in 10 minutes, and he's just like, oh, it, it, we're, we're 25 years beyond that. It shouldn't be doing the same thing with all this stuff. And how do people like my mother and my uncle get it? When all these problems start cropping up, how, how do normal people deal with it? Absolutely. It's funny. You and I have been in the field for a long time. I have that same experience. What worked way back when it was honestly Lotus One Two Three <laughs> previous to Excel and before LaserJets, they had to work with various different dot matrix things or whatever. So I go all the way back, and you hope that all that hard found knowledge is now not necessary. You hope that it's beyond that, so you just don't need to worry about putting control codes in a spreadsheets printer dialog box again or whatever else it might be. <laughs> but it's weird how there are artifacts that are still out there, and once in a while, when it really is that's the old system, and they really have to be able to do something out of DBase 3 or Foxbase that you have an awareness of how to even approach that. But I really do object to, wow, if I'm having trouble figuring this out, there's right. no way that my parents would have gone to Appendix D of the manual well, to find out what fucking what manual. Nowadays, it's all online. <laughs> you have to look it online, yeah. And it's not helpful. Trying to, my, my Roku isn't working. People type that type of stuff in, and it could be a million problems, but they're not, like my printer. Uh, that that printer was horrible trying to figure things out because I had to use community. You would think Roku and Sony, Samsung, the TVs, they would label things better and have something that people could read, pulled out a sheet, just explaining, this is HDMI 2. You plug it into an <laughs> HDMI 1 port, it'll do this. Just Show me common. the picture. Show me yeah. the thing that you yes. know what TV you have. Show me that you go in here. I don't mind doing the troubleshooting in terms of I don't only go to the manual. I go out to the hive mind and say, yes. okay, Roku Ultra, da, 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 da. and then you'll get to there's some tech sites that really are pretty good. There's also the sites directly from Roku and from Apple and from right. Samsung and whatever else it might be. They're not always curated. You'll no. go to what you think is a specific problem and therefore a specific solution. And the solution is BS. They don't know what they're talking about. And if you read through the string of notes, you'll find out. Someone down here, like, says, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Do it this way instead. But Apple spent no time fixing that, saying right. a little, just a little asterisk to say, this isn't right. Don't watch, listen to the first thing you read. You got to read the whole skein of messages. So I, even that act of, like, how to Google for it and how to trust what you're reading, right. that's yeah. itself a, a new skill. You know what I mean? Yep. I, I wish I understood why people are so happy to answer but not, or it works only in their case, not in every case. You Or you get the ones that say, I don't have one of those. I've never done this, but this is what you should try. And this problem. So 
you've got USBs on everything now, even TVs and the Roku and everything else. And you have HDMI. They're similar looking. We're right back to the old VGA plugged into the serial port problems. I don't know why oh, this boy. pin is bent. Apple is contending right now with what the difference is between its thunder and lightning connectors and the USB connectors. And they're similar enough that you really probably could force one in, but you, you shouldn't. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I don't know. That's always been around. What, when people kept moving from VGA to DVI to MOUSE, and I didn't mind when they actually got, make it very distinct. Don't make it the difference between an old um, phone connector, the RJ11 jack, and then your Ethernet. This it's just got one extra thing on the end. I, if I can fit an old thing in here that there's room, but it's not complete, and then from the very start, they're doing it wrong, but there isn't, and thank God it doesn't like start sparking. <laughs> and, and sometimes yeah. things fit, but don't work at all. Oh, it, it, it's funny. I, there's a whole business, I'm sure, in the cable world of we're going to, this used to happen in stereo stuff all the time, right? What you want is your gold cable with braiding around it because it'll eliminate all the EMI, you know, electromagnetic interference and that kind of stuff. And then after some big place reviews all the various different kinds of cables, right? Monster cable, whatever else it might be. They would say that $7.99 cable over at Best Buy is absolutely as good as the thing they want to sell you for $34.99, right. but they sell the fear, uncertainty, and doubt or the optimization that people like, I've got state of the art, I know what has to be. And so when I go onto Amazon and I try to read reviews to find out, I didn't just buy the Ethernet um, switch. I wanted to buy another Ethernet cable because I wanted to make sure that whatever I had would match this thing. And that's, thank God, for instance, Amazon Basics is pretty good. They yeah. really seem to say, we're going to find a way to make the cable that everybody needs, but the cheapest possible way out of, I don't know, Sri Lanka or something like that. I, I don't mean to be stereotypical, but labor and materials and so forth are much cheaper in some of the Asian nations than here. So as long as they're doing the quality control, then I can trust it. Otherwise, I really don't trust where the comment section is broken English because yep. you really don't know that what you're getting is at all reputable. So I just did that. Instead of getting the $30 cable, I got like an $8 cable because it's for Amazon Basics and I'm counting on it to still be Ethernet, gig ethernet and if it isn't then i'll be like i wasted eight bucks on a try and right. i know that i can just order a better one from amazon it'll be here in a day look at the issue we had at the rg with the hdmi cable that it was a one nobody had ever heard of that ever come on that's <laughs> I, my only thing is i think is because it was such a long cable it was like a 25 foot 30 foot long hdmi cable and I know the laptops aren't pushing that much power to push it that far. So I would think there's some uh, repeaters or enhancers in there to push the signal far enough. That's my guess. Right. It's funny that you would mention that because I usually get your standard like six foot cable. And then if you're just hooking up your computer rig, you have cables dangling down because you don't really need six feet. So for once, I looked at do they have various different lengths? And I got the three foot, the shortest one they offered because I figure... Going from the switch to my TV or to the Roku box, it really is going to be a matter of a foot, not even of three feet. And I also know that, like you said, the, the way, oh, electricity, sig signal, whatever works, that there's impotence in any physical thing and that you get a degraded signal as you're 25 feet long or something like that, right. unless you have a booster. So I've tried to avoid all those things, but I'm also aware that by getting the three feet, now it really might be that one day I'm going to have, I don't know, 
my TV is far away from the switch, that I move to a different house, and I'm going to be like, what am I doing with this lame three-foot cable? Because at the time, it was just the right thing to do. <laughs> so let me ask this, Al. Where is your drawer or box that holds every cable you've ever had that you can't get rid of and that you'll probably never use again? <laughs> Wait, did you say box single? Oh, yeah. I have a three-drawer thing in the basement. <laughs> I have, that's funny, I really need to start having where you can scan Skynet, because I have, like, over by my keyboard, I have a wonderful little Casio CZ1 keyboard that has become the workout machine that everybody drapes their clothes on. I have so many cables and so many dongles and doodads and adapters that are all laid out there so that I'm aware, okay, here's my, back when, wow, Firewire was still available for the Mac. I used that to connect all my hard drives because back when I was doing trading system development, I had to have a lot of data, all daisy chained and available to me. And one of the fastest experiences and stuff like that. And you know, their firewire is a dead standard for probably 15 or 20 years now, maybe 20 or 25. But have I thrown those away? No, because if ever I need to retrieve something off of one of those old firewire drives, I hold on to it. Right. And like, oh, just what we talked about. Who has all those old cables of, I have how many power adapters? And it's like the plug looks the same for all of them, but, and you have to read. Wow. And sometimes they have a label that says this is 15 or 20 or 25 watt. And I don't even know if I'm using the right numbers there. It could be that they're all 80 to 100. And I'm like, oh, you don't know what the. I just, right. I well, have sometimes labeled them to try to keep things together that when that retires, its cables retire with it. But you know that. Right. Way. Yeah. Oh you you pull God. it to use somewhere else. You just need it real quick. It's, exactly. Uh, my, my three favorites, I was going through my pile. Every now and then I'll go through it and get rid of a few things. Okay. I have 37 six foot Ethernet cables. I probably only need to keep 20 of those. <laughs> exactly. Redundancy lets you get rid of it. You know what I mean? Because I'm pretty sure I still have. Two cups with a string in between them in case I ever <laughs> The three favorite things I found was I have a little like line conditioner to plug into an Ethernet cable when you plug your laptop in. And I used that when I went places because I never knew what the client had in their network. Then I found a little PCI modem that you could plug in or no Ethernet card that you could plug into your laptop that worked with Linux because it it. A lot of them at the time only worked with Windows. They were pulling the drivers out of them. Uh, and okay. okay, all the laptops have Wi-Fi built in now, but I still have the card. And then my ultimate was the little baggie of the little jumpers that you would use to put on the back of a hard drive to make it a slave or a master. I have a Absolutely. whole baggie. Of <laughs> that's, that's funny. It, it is fun to geek it up once in a while because it, with, with everything being pretty close to true plug and play, People nowadays don't have that appreciation for it really used to be that in order to, to designate what port you were on, you had to move a jumper, yeah. physically touching the hard drive, you know, that little series of pins, or I used to use SCSI device, which you know, yeah. I almost thought, why in the world didn't they pronounce that sexy? SCSI is nasty, sexy is better, and yet someone <laughs> said it first, and they got it wrong, and it stuck. So there you usually actually have to dial the number of the device on the daisy chain that you were doing, and you could have up to seven, but you had to make sure that your furthest one away was seven and your nearest was one. If I was zero, was your actually you know, zero, range. yeah. But then also, if you had one that it didn't have this configurable thing, you had to put it all the way on the end of the chain because you make sure that you didn't have a collision. Oh my, and just that, wow, you really had to 
do something to your device before you plugged it in and make oh it when was the last time you had to worry about an ethernet storm really (laughs) so what was the network where you had to let's see you had to make sure that there were little not only like terminators in every one of the ports that were not being used because it would actually keep looking for signal on the port to where it would actually blow the network down because it kept doing all that handshaking was that like so wasn't that apple's early network that they were trying to push instead of the what windows was using or something that's what it's funny the first plug and play stuff was apple so it was even before windows had anything that worked was just that it had limitations that you had to again all those little it was still a either ethernet or even an rj11 jack and maybe i think it was called like plug it into the the phone phone cord that's right your house and it actually used the other pair that your phone wasn't using so you can actually have a home network there was free wi-fi there was nothing going through the ether it was actually you still had to have wires but you could use your existing phone lines and i thought that was actually a pretty brilliant solution yeah there you go kitties phones used to be plugged into wires and the phone there's one right there the the jack on the phones was looking similar to the RJ45s, but they were a different size. And yeah. how many times would you walk into a client and it's plugged in wrong? And you're like, okay, I That's think right. I know your problem. Figure this out for you, exactly. <laughs> and and this is it's funny. I know that I remember the days when it was modems, that it wasn't a router into your house and cables, and that actually modems kept improving every single year. So when you went back to like a, a, a 1200 baud modem, and then it went to 4,800, then it went to 96, and you went to 19.2, but you had to have pairs matching for right. Global Village. They did all these things to be magically faster, but that's because they figured out how to make sure that they knew exactly what was on the other end, and then it worked perfectly with a combination of hardware and software and uh, algorithms and stuff like that. So when my older brother and I were doing CompuBid, one of, our, one of my first companies, where we were figuring out how to have Delta pilots bid for the line to set right. the flights they want to have per month, we need to be able to exchange data with Cincinnati and me in Chicago. And by getting global modems, and by using, if you remember, there was also like X modem, Y modem, and Z modem. Yes. Was for the transfer. And X modem, fast but stupid, Y modem added a little bit of error correction. Z modem actually added where if you are if you stopped the, the transfer in the middle because somebody else picked up the phone, <laughs> you could actually started over and when you're moving like a, i don't know back then a lot of data was let's say a gig was it even that much you couldn't start it over because that was like oh my god i just lost an hour i lost right. an hour of data transfer the z modem was such an incredible gift to have that ability of it that was a little bit slower in the overall throughput but it meant that you could restart and so he and i had figured this out you know we ran this for a couple of years of that most tedious thing of transferring data doing the ocr to figure out uh, without going into it a ton we really had figured it out but it sure cost us a global village modem cost like 200 bucks compared to other things being available for 80 but it was right. worth it because our time was valued you know what i mean and i there's only I, I tend to wait until maybe technologies are mature so that if somebody else has done all the troubleshooting for you or prices have come down or whatever else right? but sometimes it really is worth getting out there on the bleeding edge because the advantage is so great but then you're the one that's actually first posting in a BBS. There was no internet back then. Hey, my global village is doing this. Oh, what you have to do. I was the answer man in some ways for all kinds of things that we were trying to do. I mentioned OCR. 
what we had to do was Armin actually had printouts. There was no data file that you got transferred to you or a thumb right. drive or anything. So we used to have to run OCR, optical character recognition software, to figure all of what was on paper and turn it into data. I know I've told you some of my experience way back in college was I was really good at display devices and how different fonts and different things work well. And the font they could have chosen that would have made very distinct differences between an eight and a B. No, they chose something that was going to be like, especially after reproduction and stuff like that, blurred everything. So we had to do not only the initial OCR, but then all the cleanup of all these various different characters that were ambiguous, ones and L's and all that kind of stuff. And I wrote routines that were like, okay, if you're looking at the um, airport uh, code field, but you can make a guess that always ORD is O'Hare, orchard, you know what I mean? And that it's an O with a line through it is not now an eight because there is no eight RD. So I, boy, did I learn about the differences between characters and about the differences between data um, domains, if you will, for what kind of data we could expect that the torturous character by character stuff that we had to do at the start, I figured it so much of that out so that it was like run the OCR and then run the cleanup routine and it fixed it to almost perfect. And that's actually, I was all proud of that, but it shouldn't have been all necessary in right. the first if they just would well, have, it was a better font. <laughs> I remember I had on my Commodore 64, there you go, I was hooked into Quantum Link which got folded into CompuServe in the late 80s, early 90s. But I remember they had uh, Commodore 64 chip tunes, which would be like the pop music, rock and roll and all that. It wasn't like we have now where it's an MP3, it's the exact song. It was Muzak version of it almost done on the Commodore. And like a three minute song would take 20 to 30 minutes to download. Come on, kiddies, I can do it in 10 seconds now from wherever. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. even the real song. It was just the Muzak <laughs> version of it, really. You know, it's, it's, again, a little bit wandering down memory lane, but I remember being fascinated by this. This is one of the reasons that I wanted to study stuff in college about display devices and stuff that I mentioned. I remember going to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago, and this must have been, like, wow, late 60s or early 70s, quite early, and nobody had a computer on the desk yet, et cetera, et cetera. You could go into a place where they had a camera they in taking a picture of you they printed that off using a dot matrix printer where you know if you remember you can right up close it looks like characters but all you have to do is back away a little bit and the varying different degrees of black and shading as so you can go left top bottom depending on whether it's an f or a l right. or whatever else it might be and so i there i was with my picture my recognizable face but produced with characters instead of even dots on green bars yeah i was like how cool it is that your mind is really good at face recognition so it will pick out what looks like a face and it's not only a face it's you or it's albert einstein or it's edgar Allan poe remember they had famous examples of and figuring out for all those different things character wise what were the right characters to use for as close to pure black as possible or as close to white but you still wanted to have a little speckling a dot versus a degree sign or whatever else it might be and if you wanted to get motion, you'd give it an angle instead of a straight pipe. And I just thought it was really cool, that ingenuity, that combination of how they were assigning visual things to characters where that character wasn't designed at all to be used right. to create an image, but they were figuring it all out. And so that when I wrote something like that in college, and I, it was a big achievement to be able to say that thing that I saw 
I mean, and I was in college from 77 to 83. So this must have been kind of 10 years later, I was able to do what a huge rig at the museum did right. on my little laptop, you know what I mean, in college, the first IBM PCs or whatever. Right. So pretty cool. It- yeah. <laughs> and and for, again, for all the kiddies out there, when that printed, you knew it was printing. <laughs> I, I know I've seen a cartoon that has back when we used to use modems, you'd hear it doing its negotiation before you put exactly and i saw a cartoon was like we used to have to send things over the wires with you and the robots were screaming at each other take your pills grandpa i'm yeah. sure it was just like that man that's a, a loss of skill <laughs> to be able to listen to that and know what point of the protocol and on talking to each other it would error out and not connect it's like, oh it sent that but didn't get a reply in it that's you could hear the different things and that's you really recognize true. After you've heard it a hundred times, your mind picks up on this all sounds good. And, oh, there was a glitch there or something like that. Yeah. And, and in fact, boy, again, one of the ways in which I first got into hacking was I was fascinated by the phone freak. Yeah. Have you read about these guys? They were the ones that they knew enough about how the phone system worked and that there were particular tones that could say, make this an international call, this a trunk or free call. Yes. And a guy named, uh, let's see, what was his name? Don Draper who invented the blue box, I hope I'm not mixing between various different things, that you could put this, you could have you know, this box make different tones on the phone, and it would simulate what you were doing as if you were the central office that was patching through a, a phone call or something like that. So some of the first things that Bob Bell had to contend with were there were people that really knew how the phones were to that incredibly cool deep level, and you could call home from any payphone just by having your little blue box and they were very illegal stealing services and yet it's only a phone call it's not you're stealing state secrets by going over the phone right but those initial people that figured all that stuff about phones they then started to figure out well computers aren't that different from phones they are handling things on in a digital level instead of an analog level but so uh, long i have i'm a long time subscriber i can't believe we haven't mentioned this in 100 episodes there's a magazine called 2600 is because that's the bond that's the the not bond the hertz that, that gives you that perfect tone it's based on phone frequency and i just devoured those when i was young and i i don't know i never did anything i didn't try to break into the well, let's fix my tax returns or something. Right. it was fascinating to read how things really worked in the background and maybe at plato i did a little bit of how does the system really work here you know what i mean if i'm a sysadmin i have mightier powers than a regular user i don't mean to steal anything but i sure am curious as to what they can do there is a level underneath the command line that you can drop down into that has other commands and stuff like that based on your login and so i was exploring like that and i i never got in trouble but i wasn't the only one doing it that was a really cool subculture of when you hear someone use a particular term that's involved with that you perk up and you're like wow what can I learn from this guy? He's farther along than I am, and I'm farther along than him. So there's a whole bunch of information. So the 2600 crowd used to have First Friday. They used to have, for all around the nation, had people that would get together. And I, I went to a whole bunch of those. And I remember once in a while being like, well, wow, everybody here is teenagers and 20s. And there's a guy here, a guy in a suit. He can't be a narc, can he? He can't be the government trying to figure out just what we bad hackers Hackers prefer crackers. You know what I mean? That hackers have that connotation of that it's about theft, that it's about 
being a bad guy, disrupting the power plant or something like that. White hats and black hats now. White hats and black hats. And that crackers were just more like that. I'm curious as to how far can I go? What's it like in there? I never stole any data and stuff like that, but it was really cool to get in where like, I, don't, I don't think they know I'm here. <laughs> oh, that's, there's all kinds of great books written about that. Like Stephen Levy wrote a, about the Legion of Doom, about whatever anonymous is nowadays to various different people, the people that really know the internet and really can like, wow, if you're a pedophile site, we're going to shut you down because once in a while, the white hats use their powers for good <laughs> instead right. of, Instead of for gain, the, the East Russian hackers and stuff like yep, that. Yep. I'm sure, I should say East European. But th- that whole culture of it takes a really interesting mind and a little bit of isolation and a little bit of showing off. A lot of how Apple started off was people getting together at the computer club and just saying, have you seen what I can do? And the first time that someone saw a Pong game on something that was not designed to have a single pixel moving around on the screen, and it wasn't even pixels back then, it was characters, you had your... 80 by 20 and you can make it 80 by 40 screen and stuff like that wrong 40 by 20 then 80 by 20 but it just was whatever people set up that that they think this is what it's designed for and all that it can do the first time you see somebody that went further that had better compression you had that had the first guy that did things that weren't on the character level or the pixel level but were actually mathematical equations for how all those different kinds of curves work, but it could translate very quickly into being what appeared on the screen. Like that was such an incredible breakthrough from what was it, Adobe Illustrator, and way oh, back yeah. when it was Aldis. There were two main uh, Adobe Illustrator and Aldis. Something. Why am I not thinking of it? That, that to have that ability to make mass appear on screen in near real time because finally computer power had caught up to. I can do all this difficult math in the background, then all oh, those people, and they are so brilliant that it's like, wow, you're it, it, up with that. I'm so much a user compared to a creator. It's just, wow. If you haven't <laughs> read the book Masters of Doom, you really oh, should. Okay. I highly, highly, I've read it three or four times now. I actually read it once, listened to it on audiobook, but it's uh, Carmack and Romero and Carmack's genius figuring out, like, People could go play Mario on Nintendo and the screen scrolls as Mario's running along, blah, blah, blah. But PCs couldn't handle that at the time. They would jump a screen. You'd jump around, get to the edge and jump the screen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he figured out how to do that on the old VGA screens and stuff with the computers and then went on to create Doom, which had the 3D space and calculating all of that and totally probably 80% of the games out there nowadays are all because of Doom. Honestly, it's, I, honestly, this is such a great topic because it really shows brilliance in an applied way. When you first were looking at a first-person shooter and you're wandering around the halls of a dungeon, and of course what you're looking for is signs of movement, sounds of movement, because they found a way to make that orally stimulating as well as visually. Yeah, all the texture mapping. I don't need to display every single pixel of a... Um, cave wall or a castle wall if you will where it's got a little bit of lichen on it it's got a little bit of water dripping whatever else it might be it just has to be enough to give that right impression because while i'm running through it i'm not standing there staring at a wall but i just have to be able to say that changed from underground wet subterranean to now where it's more seamless wall so this is a more modern version or this is up in on a higher level and 
the fact that they could do that, like figure out the math to say, what are all the different textures that I want to be able to support in this? And that way, when not only they, but other people were doing maps of those things, they really could say, this is going to be a forest. And the trees look enough to keep. Forests are very interesting because it's all fractal coolness. You know what I mean? The way something grows is self-similarity. Uh, and to be able to do that in real time math-wise is not easy, but it's not impossible. And so the first time that you had that, it was like, wow, that really looks, and not only to have it static, but to have it be that now we are going to make the wind move things. We're yeah. going to have grass undulating and we're going to have water shimmering like sun on water. Uh, hats off to not only the, the game players, are often the ones that have done all those breakthroughs, but then McDonald's, what am I saying? Um, <laughs> like when they started to do animation, and maybe that was, I, I remember reading early stuff about when they tried to take silly characters like the hamburger that were physical and make them into animation for the game. But Disney and Pixar and all the big studios that started to figure out how to do all that so that, and we talked about, yeah, about the uncanny valley before, it isn't necessary to get close to human. It's necessary to get reasonable cartoony type impressions. But then as you start to get more realistic, like animals in the Lion King, you really have to have what fur look like, wind ripples right. through it. What do feathers look like? What does hair on a human being look like? How does a, an eyeball catch glimmer of the sun so that it doesn't look dead like a zombie but actually looks like where there's an, an skin that has multiple layers that light penetrates into it and the way you get it so it's not a solid color but it actually looks like it has that penetrability right. that's just amazingly cool understanding of light and anatomy and math and that shifting all the time when you put something in shadow so like think of all the cool smarts that went into pirates of the Caribbean, oh yeah, where they had the fight with the skeleton, and they're moving in and out of a light source from above, and that he's going human-looking to skeleton, depending on. Oh my God, yeah. that was just taken for granted now. But uh, <laughs> and, and one of the yeah. cool things I remember learning through Disney and you know, animation and stuff is they talk about the Disney anime eyes and big, but actually in certain animated styles if they don't make certain features bigger than they normally would or exaggerated in some way, it looks odd. If they make it like perfectly human looking, so they make it that exaggeration so it's more acceptable to our eyes and brain. And that, that was really so true. fascinating to me to learn that yeah. and, and hear about it. Kind of funny, there's history to that too. If I remember right, the first like integration of true animation that was in the film was Sherlock Holmes younger brother if i remember right you know what young sherlock holmes i think it was where there was a stained glass window that comes to life as a, a warrior okay and it was not distinguishable from the the film and of course they did great things with roger rabbit and various other integrations of this but that same thing seeing that that miraculous thing for the first time and whatever they did to do the green screen stuff so they were combating against it and dodging away from right. it and stuff like that it was so seamless i think you know, it was a blue screen back at that time wasn't it they you're changed. exactly right in fact blue screen because you used to be able to see that weird blue halo yeah something had been interposed into the film and they couldn't quite get the edges but even then if you're like wow i was like i don't care that it's not quite perfect look how <laughs> what, what you know so uh, that's i did not know that about the animation integration all that but yeah. if i'm right there was a it's a s similar detective thing 
the first use of computer graphics in a movie. Do you know what that was? If I'm right, I'll look. How about Tron? Something like that. See, that's what you think. Yeah. I'll look it up to verify I'm right uh, on this. But it was the great mouse detective, the clock tower in that, the animation. Interesting. Okay. I'll look and, it up for I'm, sure. It, it's kind of funny. All of these, first, we have to be very clear with our terms because, for instance, I saw Dick Van Dyke dancing with a penguin. You right. know what I mean? So right. it really isn't the first exact integration, but it was, did they draw cells onto a film that made all that happen and do that little interpolation that way? The CGI, the computer animation right. graphic, was the thing I was referring to with young Sherlock Holmes, but that was a, a big breakthrough at right. the time. I'll look those up because now I'm yeah. now I'm curious. You know how that goes. Oh, my brain's on fire. Let me spend the next 27 hours looking this up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I remember interviewing for Chicago, like Digital Chicago. We had a guy named Bill Niffenegger in Chicago that really was great early at how to create realistic scenes using uh, Kai's power tool. A guy named Oh, Kai God, Krause. yes. Remember that? Kai Krause had done this thing where he really did have realistic mountains and trees and water and all all that whatever he knew about how to do fractals and that the things that made realistic duplicates but in real time and Niffenegger was great at creating those things so that was like his bailiwick everybody came to him for i'm going to need to have this advertisement for it. Well, i don't want to go to switzerland i want to have things that look like the alps and he was able to make realistic realistic snow-capped peaks and stuff like that so it was very cool but once about totally by coincidence i've had that wonderful opportunity to, to work with people like wow he looks just like a human being but he can do things that nobody else in the world can do how cool is that okay before we uh sign off the newest show out and, and so i heard uh the new harry potter is not doing so well lowest opening of every any harry potter ever which come on it's been like four years since the last one and i was only eh about those two anyway because I'm curious about the mythology. I think that maybe it's Eddie Redmayne is not as charismatic as the young Harry Potter and his crew. We'll see. I haven't seen it yet. So I, I want to see it in the big theater because I really want to have that immersive. And I haven't seen Morbius. You haven't seen Morbius. We'll I see, see it on Easter. I made up. I, I laughed about it. He is risen. I right? see it That's on hilarious. Easter I'm going to hell anyway. So why not be a heathen fully? So, well, uh, <laughs> well, speaking of risen, but segue. Uh, right. Moon Knight is out, so I take it you got to watch the first couple? I've, I watched the first two. And so it's kind of like WandaVision where they are taking their time. Yes. Saying, Here's the origin all compressed and, and boom, drop it on you. They're very much making it from his perspective of him discovering that he's uh, got split personality. And I know you use the old term, but whatever dissociated personalities, each of which has their own full life, and that people in each of those other lives are like, Mark, are you there? Stephen, are you there? Right. Jake, are you there? Whoever the various different, the fact that he's discovering it and isn't happy about it, that that he actually, and that he, there is some talking between the characters, like looking yes. in the mirror, True. reflections. So I'm liking the, they have a very good effect where he like gets into that situation that from what I understand is a lot of times where multiple um, personality happens is that you get into a situation where you don't think you can handle it so you call upon someone who can and when he is about to get you know beaten within an inch of his life instead he calls upon the mercenary the or the moon knight whoever it is that's a better fighter and then he comes and and that effect they have of him like 
startling, blinking out and then blinking back in, and he's surrounded by people that he beat up. Right. It's very interesting to see that they're handling that it wouldn't be an easy transition. It would actually be really wrenching to change from one person to another. And that was the fear that they would tone that down and just make them a Batman action hero. And they're not. And they could have made pure action right from the beginning and tried to make every episode more and more, which, you know, is always a recipe for disaster. (laughs) So I've heard people complaining that it's this side of the other thing, but I think they're missing the point. Again, we need differences. We, We can't have every single show be like every other show or, who cares anymore? So yeah. one of the things that I'm really liking about it, and I will compare it to Doom Patrol in this regard, that it isn't a single person's creation or a, a duo. Right. Often there's a writer artist that create a character. Moon Knight has been um, really worked on. I think I talked about this by multiple great artist writer teams over the course of time. So his uh, origin in Werewolf by Night was like Doug Bench created him. Um, and But then people I really love like Warren Ellis, have had a great run on the character and they took a new spin deepened the mythological aspects of it or the psychological aspects right. or is, does he really get stronger in the moonlight or is that hysterical strength coming from his brain is not quite right right and the fact that they've had uh, multiple takes on it and that they're trying to summon some of those integrate those into the series but you don't know which ones they're going to include and what not it's very interesting to see what choices these writers and, and show producers and stuff are making because they have incredible fertile ground in this regard that it isn't a through line of Superman, Hell sent to Earth. You know what I mean? Just like they deepened in Smallville and various other shows, what really has happened with the Superman mythos over time, the Moon Knight mythos has all kinds of cool stuff to it. Not only him, of course, but his supporting characters, and especially his villains. There's a couple of great villains that are being introduced. So Ethan Hawke as the... Yes master manipulator religious what's going on there i'm looking forward to seeing it many good heroes are made much better by having a really good and we'll yes. see what happens here so and i love how <laughs> they, they showed him looking at the security cameras and look right here and, and then he doesn't see it this time because it was all in his head but then it, it really existed and had an effect because his girlfriend got hit by it the car got hit so it's like okay what part of it is in his mind what's not or did it just not pick up on the camera it's it's funny one of the great things i do with horror movies is they make the viewer complicit in what's going on yes that over the camera shot of someone's walking through they might have a mask on so you only see through the eye holes and then somebody brings up a knife oh my god i don't want to do this i don't want to watch this being done and they're really doing a good thing of whatever mental confusion he has uncertainty at his core that he really doesn't know what's going on and what happened getting that too with it was on the camera and then it wasn't but the camera isn't him it's real capture of what went on not if he's the one still watching it so that ambiguity is really unsettling but that's also a big part of this series is man what would it be like to live with (laughs) yeah absolutely so they're doing good i'm glad (laughs) i i have not heard what the plans are after the series. How is Moon Knight fitting in with everything else? That's something they really haven't said a lot of. So yeah. I really hope it doesn't just drop. I hope it, that they find, I mean, if you would think that there's ways, there, they seemingly are finding ways to bring in all different kinds of characters into the MCU from the Marvel studio and the Sony studio and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And now the revival of what happened on TV with what 
then became called the Defenders, even though that wasn't the comic book version of the Defenders. But I'd love to see, and we already have, there's going to be more Daredevil and more Luke Cage and whatever else it might be. And if not in their own series, then they're going to be the West Coast Adventures, or yeah. they're going to be the Dark Event, or they're whatever their various different ways of bringing all this together. And also, as you know, I'm so much looking forward to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because it's ridiculously expand what really exists uh -huh, in the marvel universe because there's alternate versions based on dimension and timeline and alternate choices of all different kinds of things where it's not even like slightly different costumes it's, he's a hero here and he's a villain here i'm looking forward to yeah. seeing what they do and yeah. it's going to get messy it's going to be very unsettling to people who just want a sit down have some popcorn enjoy a big biff bam pow it's going to get really interestingly messy but I'm loving the fact that I have all my comic book background. Oh, that was so clever what they did there. There yeah. really was this reference to Baron Mordo, and now it's different. I just love that. So. Yep. Colin and I went and saw Uncharted yeah. with Tom Holland and Marky Mark. It was fun. It wasn't as, I, I, if you compare it to indie, I didn't get that adventure feel I got from indie, but oh, they did a okay. really good job of mimicking the video game. So if you play the Uncharted video games, it felt right. like that more than it felt like indie. Tonight, okay. we're going to go see uh, the new one, Lost City, with Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, and uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt uh, which looks like hilarious. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. My father was a weatherman. Yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm actually, I'm very happy when there are movies like that that have a, a good awareness of what has gone before and that they actually play with what might have been the initial take on it. Now they actually get to make fun of that a little bit, but yeah. also you really closely to what made it a great action adventure movie. So right. I'm, uh, those are both things I want to see in the theaters. I'm probably going to do one of the, Hey, how about a $5 matinee on a Tuesday and just go in there and, and be silly. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. So, and that's what we're doing. Tuesdays are $5 day. Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Man. All right. As always, we'll see you next week. All my best to you. I know that things are, I'm still dealing with California things. You're dealing with home things. And yet we're dealing. We're yep, going to make yep. it through. So, so okay. yeah, let me know when you're in and out and we'll plan this and we'll plan a lunch and we'll exactly. see what's going on for whatever. All right. Take care. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on geek topics of the week. <laughs>